Il Messia was the final film of the great Italian director Roberto Rossellini. Rossellini's career spanned over 30 years, during which time the father of neorealism made the influential Rome open city and the highly regarded voyage to Italy. His personal life was no less colourful. His affair with Ingrid Bergman caused a scandal, but their marriage lasted only a few years. By the early 60s, Rossellini's career was waning. His ideas were changing and he found himself disillusioned with cinema. Having tried his hand at writing, he spent his final decade working in television, where he believed he could be more effective at communicating his ideas to the masses. The result was a series of films about historical characters, including Socrates, Augustine and Pascal. Whilst in some ways El Messia continued along that trajectory, it was also markedly different. On the one hand, Making a film for theatrical release signified something of a return to his cinematic roots. Yet Rossellini also found himself with a $4.5 million budget, the largest of his career. However, this appears not to have tempted him to abandon his usual style. The trademark ultra-long shots which zoom in and out, tracking the action, remain. The film opens with one such shot, somewhat unusually in the time of the Prophet Samuel. Having once again been raided, the elders of Israel demand a king to lead them. Samuel warns of the consequences, but the elders ignore him, and the film quickly moves on to show the new king, Saul, proving the old prophet right. This creates the context of messianic expectation, which is one of the film's major themes. This is, perhaps, the first film to really take Jesus' Jewish context seriously. In addition to explaining the messianic hopes of Jesus' contemporaries, various aspects of Jewish practice are explained throughout the film, and the temple and Jewish rituals are prominent throughout. Interestingly, it also betrays Jesus as one of the rural pe peasant class. Jesus' birth is passed over fairly swiftly. The emphasis is placed instead on the death of Herod, with a script implying that as the last king of the Jews, Herod's death marks the end of the era which began at the start of the film. The other episodes at the beginning of the film also foreshadow later events. The story of Mary and Joseph discovering their young son is missing and then finding him in the temple is particularly significant. In Luke's Gospel, this story anticipates the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is lost for three days, only to be discovered well and having been with his Heavenly Father. This theme is also present in the film, but Rossellini also adds Jesus' mother telling him that he belongs to the law, a statement which echoes through Jesus' subsequent life, and of course his death. Meanwhile, a group of children chant a song that is repeated at the end of the film during the crucifixion. It suggests that little has been changed by the events that have been portrayed. The next two scenes also foreshadow the film's important themes. Whilst Jesus' baptism by John is not accompanied by a voice from heaven, the concept of Messiah is raised again. This is followed, unusually, by the clearing of the temple scene. Whilst this does occur at the start of John's Gospel, most filmmakers follow the chronology of the Synoptic Gospels and place it at the end of the film. Here, as in John's Gospel, the episode anticipates conflict between Jesus and the temple authorities. The main body of the film revolves around Jesus' teaching ministry. This is portrayed very differently from most Jesus films. Even the other Italian neorealist Jesus film, Pasolini's Il Vangelo Secondo Matteo. 
Whereas these other films generally have Jesus addressing large crowds, Rossellini prefers to show Jesus teaching to a far smaller groups. Even passages from the Sermon on the Mount, often a big set pieces in Hollywood films, are delivered to only a handful of disciples. This reflects the consensus of modern scholarship that the Sermon on the Mount actually consists of a number of Jesus' teaching themes patched together. El Messiah also displays an awareness of the conclusions of modern scholarship in another way. Around halfway into the film we see Jesus send out the disciples to the surrounding towns and cities to spread his message as per Mark 6. As they teach the others they use words usually attributed to Jesus. This suggests the early development of an oral tradition, a collection of Jesus' sayings that was passed on verbally. Interestingly, whereas Jesus' ministry is generally credited as lasting for three years, here it begins in 28 CE, five years before the date the film gives for Jesus' crucifixion. In fact, the film appears to divide the ministry of Jesus into two parts. The first stage sees Jesus teaching as he continues to work as a carpenter, in amongst his followers on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. People alongside him listen, but there is no crowd of followers except perhaps when he delivers the Beatitudes. After the death of John the Baptist, Jesus chooses his disciples and sends them out. Upon their return, the film jumps almost immediately to the year 32, and the second phase of Jesus' ministry begins. Jesus is no longer seen working on wood, his followers now treat him with greater respect. As he marches around, his disciples train up behind, and he begins to address larger crowds. The emphasis on Jesus' teaching is in sharp contrast to the depiction of the miracles. Only two miracles are shown on the screen, the miraculous catch of fish and the feeding of the multitude. Even these are shown in such a way as to leave them open to interpretation. In the latter, the crowd is fed, but the film is unclear as to how exactly this happened. In the former, Jesus instructs Peter to take his boat into deeper water, but, in contrast to the Gospels, Jesus stays on shore. The catching of the fish occurs off-screen, and when Peter and his men return, their boat may be loaded with fish, but there is little to indicate that this is miraculous, opposed to simply coincidental. Throughout his career, Rossellini was at pains to avoid the manipulative potential of his chosen medium, hence his preferred near-realist style. In an interview he explained how this applied to the miraculous. If you show miracles in a film you can do anything, even flying carpets. So what kind of credibility can you give the things seen? I wanted to make a film that would be appreciated by people of our time. If I had underlined more prestigious aspects I would have alienated the non-believers. There's more to it than that, however. Rossellini once explained in an interview how he saw Jesus as the perfect man, rather than as God. Elsewhere, he described himself as an atheist, although many commentators try to explain this away. In any case, it's clear he saw the important thing about Jesus as his message, and the miraculous stories surrounding him is simply a distraction. When the followers of the imprisoned John the Baptist visit Jesus, asking for confirmation that he is the one, Peter reels off an impressive list of miracles. Jesus, however, is clearly uncomfortable with this and quickly interrupts Peter in order to distress his work with the poor. The one exception to this is the depiction of Mary, who remains the age she was at Jesus' birth for the film's duration.
It's one of a number of ways in which Mary is given special prominence in this film. It's Mary who stays strong as Jesus is crucified, and Mary who later realises the meaning of the empty tomb. In the film Soul Flashback, we also see her teaching her son about the kingdom of God in words familiar to us from the Gospels. This last example is one of a number of places where Jesus' teaching is relocated in an unfamiliar context. The aim of this is to defamiliarise the words of Jesus so the audience can hear them afresh. The result is a much more natural and believable telling of the Jesus story than many of the other versions. Whilst its many strengths come at a cost, the absence of Jesus' miracles, most viewers will find Rossellini's reworking of the Jesus story to be invigorating. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with a discussion of another Jesus film next month.